Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Jess. And I'm Regan, and this is You Pick, We Watch, the podcast where you pick the movie and we take a deep dive into it, learning everything we can about your recommendation. Today, we're talking about the 1981 film Scanners. Do you think that this movie, right off the bat, feels like an 80s movie or a 70s movie? Um, that's a great question. Uh, as far as feel go- goes, I feel like uh, it gives off kind of like a very late 70s vibe. Yeah, I I do agree with that. Absolutely. Um, let's talk. I got some news for you that I think you're going to be excited about. Ooh, bring it on. Christopher Nolan is shopping around a World War II movie um, to other studios since... He has had a falling out with WB. Oh. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty cool. I, I really enjoyed the last World War II movie you did. Did you see Tenant yet? I did. Yeah. Was it everything Christopher Nolan is known for? A little too much that direction, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Um, I, uh, a popular complaint about the film is that it's a little too hard to understand. And I would agree with that. It's a little hard to fully grasp. I mean, there's stuff in it that you will not see in any other movies, some very cool stuff. But if I asked you to like write the plot down on a piece of paper, like you could kind of do that for inception, you know, like you know, write the right. plot out. It will make sense. If you try to do that for Tenet, you're going to have a much more difficult time. Do you think it's the same, it's in the same vein as Memento? Or do you think Memento is easier to understand? I think Memento's. well, by the time the credits start rolling, I feel like it's pretty easy to understand. Okay. Or at least not too difficult. All right, I'm gonna have to check it out because I still have not seen it. I've been on a uh, a new movie kick lately, so I saw Protege last weekend and I saw Shang Chi last weekend. How were both um, of those? Protege is awesome. Um, if you're a fan of John Wick or just straight up like action, like gun movies and stuff, um, it is really really good. Sam Jackson's amazing. Maggie Q is incredible i'm loving the female leads lately um i don't know if you saw on netflix there's a movie called uh gunpowder milkshake i i'm aware of it haven't checked it out yet okay that one's awesome too same same kind of thing it's the blue girl from it's nebula (laughs) from uh avengers and stuff she plays the lead in it um and oh. then, yeah, so it's, Speak- it's really good. Speaking of Netflix, Kate comes out today. With, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, with the girl with uh, the girl from mm-hmm. Harley Quinn. Or, yeah, from Birds of Prey. Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Is that her name? Yes. Okay. Again, strong female lead. Like, I'm loving this. Whatever's happening in the last year, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I think that overall the quality movies are, or I guess that particular brand of action movie has gone up immensely since John Wick one came out. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and Shang-Chi was awesome. I think it is a perfect beginning to phase four of uh, the MCU. I think I was apprehensive in the beginning. Like when they announced it, I was like, who is this guy? What is this? <laughs> but they made it into almost a kung fu genre instead of an action movie. Yeah. And it gave me super vibes of like the early 2000s. Uh, those kung fu movies that came out, like Crouching Tiger, um, the one with Jet Li, like all that stuff, and I loved it. Nice. I unfortunately yeah. still haven't seen it yet. I made the unpleasant discovery of uh, realizing my wife doesn't want to actually see that. She's uh, she's kind of <laughs> going back to lukewarm on Marvel ever since like Endgame because you know that's a huge part of Marvel that you know. Yeah people that she really likes are now out of the game and so she's not really open to giving newer things a try so i'm like great i guess i'll just go by myself on a wednesday or something i i oh man i wish that she wanted because i was like that too i was like i don't know if i want to see this because i never had heard of the character i like didn't care about it but it like hooks you and that bus scene is amazing <laughs> and then Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and all those movies from back in the day um is in it and there it it brings in stuff from old Marvel movies like you get an explanation from something in one of the Iron Man movies um you see who's still around, like still really working with the Avengers. Um, it sets it up very, very nicely. Nice. Well, I can't wait to check that out. Yeah. Maybe you can get her to watch it at home. Maybe. Like, on Disney or something. It's funny because I just realized that... Um watching it on Disney with like premium access or whatever, it's the exact same cost as two people going to the, the movies. Like yeah. two tickets equals that, which I didn't realize tickets went up that much. Oh yeah. They're it's outrageous. I'm thinking about getting the Regal unlimited app because I go to the movies four times a month and at least one of those is with my wife. So it would like pay for itself, but I don't know. There you go. It's another monthly subscription that I don't need. <laughs> <laughs> On top of the pile of monthly subscriptions. Yeah. Um, and the last thing in news that I have is the Matrix Resurrection trailer dropped. Did you see that? Not yet. I keep seeing pop-ups for it, so I'm sure I'll check that out this afternoon. Um, I did check out the the two teasers that came out. Uh, I'm I'm excited. As always, for Keanu-related mm. stuff. All right, I'm going to let you have Matrix then, because <laughs> <laughs> I watched it, and I was like, man, this isn't doing it for me. <laughs> well, my tune could change, but <laughs> as of right now, still excited. Um, oh, and the other thing that I saw was that Dune 
was getting like nines and tens across the board. Nice. So I think you'll be excited for that. I am very excited for that. Um, I actually just found something out. Um, Mad Max Fury Road is now on HBO Max. Yes. Mad HBO Max. Yeah, it, it is. That, that fits perfectly. It does. I have it yeah. on DVD, so. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those movies where there's a few of them where I don't get around to seeing them in theaters. And then I'm like, ah, when they come out on Netflix or whatever, I'll check them out. And it's like that, Tenet, um, so many other Christopher Nolan movies. Like, as soon as they got released on DVD, they weren't anywhere. So I didn't see Fury Road for like three years. Oh, I loved Fury Road. Oh, that's mm. great. So good. All right. Um, here's our get to know you question of the day. Uh, do you think you would be a good or evil person with telekinesis or telepathy powers? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you always like to think that you'll be good. You know, it's. I, I feel like the. Uh, the distinction changes when you actually have those powers. Would you want to hear people's uh, thoughts all the time? No, <laughs> probably yeah. not. Me that sounds terrible. It does. Because, you know, like when they say like, um, people who eavesdrop never hear good things about themselves. Ooh. Like imagine actually... hearing it all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that just sounds awful, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Well, in this movie, a scientist trains a man with advanced telepathic, telepathic, sorry, with advanced telepathic abilities called scanning to stop a dangerous scanner with an extraordinary psychic powers from waging war against non-scanners. Um, that's a lot of words. To say there's a good guy and a bad guy with powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's an easier way to put that. Yeah. Um, what was your initial reaction to seeing this? Um, I, I just like the feel and aesthetic of like 70s and 80s movies. So I felt like it was pretty easy for me to just kind of slide in and you know buckle up for the ride uh yeah i agree with you uh this movie wastes no time in getting it getting it on with like spooky and weirdness and there's like not a word of dialogue i think in like the first five to seven minutes and then you're like first of all let's that first like five minutes the face that guy makes (laughs) <laughs> okay, the that can they all make, but that, that can be extended to the entire runtime of the movie. Like the faces <laughs> these people make are sometimes hilarious. Yeah, and it almost pulls you out a little bit, but right after this scene, you get like exposition in like the biggest form in the next probably like 10-15 minutes. Is it's all exposition. Um but it this is so it's the precipice i think of 80s sci-fi yeah and i was i was actually going to say that 
um, you know, psychics for for more or less, um, you know, it's it's not very uncommon to see movies involving telekinesis or psychics these days, you know, like ever since, I don't know, probably like the 90s into the 2010s. I feel like there has been so many of those that came out. I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever heard of one that's older than this movie, though. You know, from 1981. This, I think, this is like one of the the first ones that kind of popularized that. The only other one that I know of from that time period would be Carrie. Yeah, and that was 1976. That's right. So yeah, I think between those two movies, where Carrie was more like straight horror. I think that was in the vein of like those uh, like Halloween, Friday the 13th, Jason, like the original horror stuff. This is more, I think, sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't actually explain how Carrie came to have her powers. And I feel like that's usually a distinction with sci-fi is you understand a little bit more on the background and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, since this is an older movie, a lot of the cast, uh, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> Except for our favorite 80s bit role player, uh, Michael Ironside, who's amazing <laughs> in this. He's amazing in everything. And absolutely. He's, I've got such a soft spot for this guy. Like if, if a movie I've never heard of has him in it, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, and I am so pleased when I'm watching a movie and I don't know he's in it and all of a sudden he pops up maybe for like three scenes and is like killed. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh that was pretty cool. Same. <laughs> um, I will say, though, Stephen Lack, the guy that plays uh, the main scanner you meet first, um, he only did nine movies, but he is a world-renowned painter. Huh. Yeah. I love that. I was going to say that I watched this movie and quickly realized I don't think acting is his calling. <laughs> I agree with that statement <laughs> wholeheartedly. <laughs> um, yeah, he, the way he delivered some of his lines, um, which we'll get into a little later, I think, um, it was just kind of just reading. It wasn't really acting. Yeah, he's kind of got... In this movie, he um, basically has the personality of a cardboard box. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the woman, Jennifer O'Neill, uh, she actually doesn't show up until like 37 minutes in. She was in a lot of stuff. She continues to do a lot of stuff, but I don't really recognize her. And she was in nothing that I recognized. Um, And then the writer-director, David Cronenberg, that name sounds so familiar. And I looked at, like, all his stuff, and the only thing I could think of is why he's familiar is from The Fly. Yeah. I think that's probably at least one of his more well-known roles, but (laughs) body horror is closely associated with his name because... In a lot of his movies, but like especially The Fly, you know, it's just really gnarly, 
people's limbs are falling off and your skin's mutating. It's it's super gross, but I've I don't think I've seen a director who pulls it off as well as he does. Okay, that's probably why like we've talked about or he's been talked about in like movie stuff like that. <laughs> that's, um that's why in the in an episode of Rick and Morty when they go to an alternate earth where everyone's all like mutant monster jacked up people they just refer to him as Cronenbergs that makes so much more sense now because <laughs> <laughs> I love that episode That's of Rick and one. Morty <laughs> um, alright let's get right into some trivia here um, this we're getting very familiar with the Academy of Science Fiction Fantasy and Horror Films the Saturn Awards um, a lot of our movies end up being nominated for this. And they actually won um, the award for Best Makeup, um, which was Dick Smith. And he tied himself um, for two. <laughs> he won, He won, but he won for two movies um, that year. It was for this and for Altered States. And then, oh. do you know Altered States? I don't know that one. I don't. Uh, it was no. just... There's a lot of trivia about how that was like coming out around the same time with like similar plots or something. Yeah, they do that in movies. Remember? Yeah. Um, and then it also won best international film, and that's because it's technically a Canadian movie. <laughs> that's right. I actually didn't know that until looking up uh, trivia. Yeah. Um, and then it was nominated for best special effects, which I could totally see. They did a really oh. good job. Absolutely. Um, on that same note, um, when it premiered in January of 1981, it got um, kind of lukewarm reviews from critics, but was one of the first films produced in Canada to successfully compete with American films at the international box office. And uh, this apparently was also the movie that kind of paved the way for Cronenberg's controversial style of body horror in mainstream. Yeah, going, uh, bouncing off the critic review stuff, um, Roger Ebert actually liked this movie. Well, he gave it, he gave it two stars. I think two out of five, is that what they do? Yeah. Um, which isn't great, but he did praise the special effects However, he said Cronenberg failed to involve the audience in the telekinetic scanner's plight, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Um, Roger Ebert says, Scanners um, is a new horror film made with enough craft and skill that it could, could have been very good if it could find a way to make us care about it. I don't think it does. I never had the feeling during the film that it mattered much who won, lost, who lived, or died, just as long as the special effects occurred on time and the movie's look of elegant chill was preserved. It was released almost at the same time as Altered States, another horror film that was being linked with Scanners in some reviews. I don't think they're comparable. I know Altered States cost many millions of dollars more than Scanners, but that's not the difference that matters. On the level of its technical credits, Scanners is a fully qualified thriller. What matters is that Altered States involved its characters in experiences that we believed were really happening to them. Vicariously, they were happening to us too. 
and scanners were never involved, were always watching. And so while Altered State throws all logic out the window and still works as great entertainment, Scanners bogs down in one of those plots where the big secret is revealed in the last reel and it turns out to be big only in the mind of the screenwriter. Hmm. It's so elegant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a very articulate way to say that. Um, I, I, by and large, agree, actually. Like, I didn't really care so much if the main character actually, you know, succeeded or not. Um, but at the same time, I, I think a lot of things were done really well. Yeah, I agree with the special effects, like the makeup, the artistry, um, what they were trying to do. Um, but now I, I want to watch Altered States. It'd be a good compare and contrast episode. Yeah. Um, I... I need to I I need to address that um th- this will explain a little bit uh I guess the overall feeling I got from the movie but uh Cronenberg has called this one of the most frustrating films he's ever made because it was actually rushed through production filming had to begin without a finished script and end roughly 2 months uh oh end within roughly 2 months so that the Financing would qualify as a tax write-off, forcing Cronenberg to write and shoot at the same time. Uh, he also cited difficulty with the antagonism between the leads, particularly Patrick McGowan, which I think is the old professor guy with the beard, and Jennifer O'Neill. So um, I'll, I'll kind of get into this more when I'm giving my thumbs, but um, it's never really a good thing to be writing the script as you're filming because that kind of puts your back up against the wall and you kind of feel that in this movie at times i 100 percent agree with you you can feel the choppiness of it and it's there's a lot you can do in post there's a lot you can do in editing um but it definitely feels like a cut together movie yeah yeah it well i i think what uh well i think you're absolutely right but it's different than a a frankenstein cut together movie like uh 20 was it 17 suicide squad like that was reshoots plus original stuff made it totally choppy and this is just like pacingly choppy if that makes sense yes it does um side note and a hot take i enjoyed 2017 suicide squad more than this suicide squad i mean we could make (laughs) a whole other episode about why you're wrong but we'll we'll save that for another time (laughs) um the one bright spot in this movie besides like the special effects and everything was michael ironside um he seems like the only person that can act (laughs) in my opinion, in this movie. And originally, he was only hired for a bit part, because that's what he does, um, for like one or two scenes, and was paid $5,300 Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Gotta gotta put that bread on the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> so th this one's a two-parter here. Um, speaking of Michael Ironside, uh, probably one of my favorite moments of the movie is early on where he has letting another scanner scan him, but, you know, instead of going along with the demonstration, makes his head explode, which, spoilers, is awesome. Um, that was done with practical effects by filling a latex head of that actor with <laughs> dog food, leftover lunch meat, fake blood, and apparently rabbit livers. And then the uh, cord stunt coordinator was behind the, the mannequin with a 12-gauge shotgun and actually shot it. So that's how they get the effect of his head like actually exploding, which I knew was coming because I saw... Uh, YouTube video on like great practical effects and uh, when I was watching it with my wife though she did not know that was coming <laughs> and that her reaction like I hadn't even thought to mention like oh yeah you're gonna see some shit here yeah her reaction was great because it's if you don't know what's happening or what's about to happen it's all <laughs> it's very jarring um, I knew it was happening and I was I was still jarred again because <laughs> They do a great job of, like, you don't really see that fake head. That, oh, yeah. Like, they cut it really well. And, yeah, it's, it got me this time, too. <laughs> I I forgot it was, because, again, like, I saw it on YouTube, like, years ago. And I forgot how, like, visceral it is. Like, <laughs> they really did that well. Cronenberg <laughs> um, actually moved that from the beginning of the movie back a little bit for uh late moviegoers so if you're coming into the theater a little bit late you'd still get to see that scene yeah i saw that too and that must have been a thing back in the day because i don't do people still come in late like do you go to late to movies or do you get there to see the previews and stuff well i mean what what I try to do aside, I feel like it's, it's impossible to arrive late at the movies now because you have a solid like 30 minute block of trailers preceding that and like, mm -hmm. you know, buy our concession stuff commercials. So I feel like if you showed up 20 minutes late, you still haven't even cracked the first second of the movie. Okay. I enjoy previews. So I'm usually there like five minutes early. Because I don't want to miss them. Me too. I I really enjoy trailers. Mm-hmm. Yep. Even though half the time they like lately they can change the whole tone of the movie. If oh they're yeah. They're not done right and trick you. <laughs> or um, reveal the best parts of a movie too. Yeah, some movies do have like all the action in the trailer. I can't remember what movie I saw that did that, but when I saw the movie, I was like, that was the most boring movie ever. The trailer did everything. I, I, I wish I remembered which one it was, but there was actually one trailer I saw that gave away the big reveal that was coming in like the third act of the movie. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a very early treatment of this movie and a treatment is like what you use to pitch to the movie studios basically it's just like a couple pages it's almost like an elevator pitch but a little bit longer but the early treatment was 1976 so this had been playing for a while it was called uh, te uh te telepathy 2000 which is a horrible title <laughs> but 
takes place in the future, begins with the protagonist, who is named Harley Quinn, which probably wouldn't have gone over well. Um, so it begins with this uh, protagonist telepathically raping a woman in a subway, and it was set to be a spy movie. In this movie, a company called Cytodyne Amalgamate was breeding evil scanners to take over the world, and the U.S. government was employing good scanners to stop them. Is that, that a movie was, you'd want to see? That would be a far worse movie. <laughs> that sounds like a 70s movie. It, it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because there were, the 70s were very like good cop, bad cop, I feel. It was good cop, bad cop, and since like the Hayes Code was repealed, it's it was also a very like exploitative time too, where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll throw nudity in just because. Yep, there's a whole three... genre of movies that were like like that. <laughs> Sexploitation movies, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, apparently, apparently, for the most part this movie was inspired by a 1959 novel called Naked Lunch, which contains uh, a chapter concerning quote-unquote senders, a hostile organization of telepaths bent on world domination, so that um, that there's a strong tie between this movie and that, but Cronenberg actually would later direct the film version adaptation of Naked Lunch in 1991. That's a movie I, I wanted to see as well. Like, I read that and I was like, huh, I wonder uh, if he got any better 10 <laughs> years later with, like, the same plot. Well, all I can say is that it's rated 7 out of 10 on IMBD, or IMDB, that's, which that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um. So speaking of ratings, and not uh, numerical ratings, but this has a rated R movie. I mean, this has a rate a, an R rating, which for the 80s, I thought was kind of high because there isn't much other than violence in this movie, and it's all practical effects. So I was like looking at it, I was like, considering what like is rated PG in the 80s, I was like, this seems really high. So I like clicked on it just to kind of see if it said anything it didn't but i noticed that this movie is banned in iceland i don't know why but there you go (laughs) i did not expect that yeah i think that's something i might start looking into now uh when we do this is to see if there are any countries the movie's banned in or like if there are drastic different cuts um like china usually gets different cuts than we do on certain things because yeah. of their communism. Also, um, they banned um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ghost movies, like things mm-hmm. that have to do with like spirits or ghosts or whatever. Because uh, according to the 30 seconds of a Wikipedia page I read um, a year ago, they <laughs> are—I don't know—it's something about like I don't want to say superstition, but it's like a very tied to like cultural beliefs concerning spirits and stuff. And yeah, yeah, they're, they're just not okay with that. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think that's something that maybe I'll, we'll, I'll start doing. I think right that's pretty cool because the rating system changed so much between like the sixties and until we got like 
MPAA rating system that we have now. Mm. Yeah, so. that's a good call. I know that what Temple of Doom was the first PG thirteen movie. Does that yeah. sound right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I kind of forget that before that time, you know, it's <laughs> the difference between a PG movie and uh, R-rated movie is confusing. Mm -hmm. You know, like just randomly there'll be titties in a PG or a PG movie. <laughs> You're yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. The uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but um, this movie was actually filmed from the end of Oct like October 30th in 1979 to December 23rd, 1979, so that it could be released in January, which is that is a crazy turnaround time for a movie. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. 1981. See... My bad. I got you. <laughs> um, you don't see that that often with usually like with like science fiction movies i don't think or like action movies but what did we do oh happiest season last year was filmed in two months yeah but that's a comedy that you don't have a lot of like post stuff to do you don't have a lot of special effects to worry about so to get this done in two months with what they did i mean the visual effects and special effects guys and stunt coordinators like really pulled some stuff off yeah absolutely um i just have my the budget and uh what else came out that year left okay um let's see i just have one more thing here so um in an interview stephen lack uh, the main character of the film uh he recalled feeling very under the gun during um specifically one of his first scenes on set where I don't even remember this scene, but um, he said, there we were the first day of scanners and they had me get into this 18 wheel truck with four gear shift levers and have me drive into the shot. And he said it was horrifying. He'd never driven such a thing like that. And he felt very disoriented and he explained they were set up on a feeder road to the highway and all the camera crew staff were there in some car on the highway slowed down to gawk at the truck and got rammed from behind and he said there was death sirens the whole crew jumped over you know storm they jumped over the fence ran over to help out and uh, he said he was given a slight reprieve of an hour to figure out how to actually drive that truck that's a horrible story yeah <laughs> like if somebody died like the first day on your set, like I would have just quit. <laughs> I would have well, been like, nope, nope, and out of this one. Yeah. Well, it, at least uh, someone died so he could have an hour to learn how to drive that truck. I don't even know if he was like joking that someone died, but that's <laughs> that's a, a story that was written down in a tone that didn't match like the gravity of someone dying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so, the budget for this movie, remember, we're in 1981, was $4.1 million. Let's see what that equals today. Should have had this up, but I, I didn't. <laughs> 1981, 4, 
How many zeros? There we go. All right. Calculate. So that's about $12.3 million in today's money. For okay. a horror movie, sci-fi movie, you know, I think it would be a little higher these days just because of the way we do visual effects now. Uh, but it's not bad. Um, <laughs> it grossed in the U.S. and Canada $14 million. So, I mean, doubled its money back, which is a win, especially back then. Um, but what it was up against that year was uh, that came out that first week or the first couple weeks in January 1981. Uh, 9 to 5 came out in January 1981 as well. And that was that Dolly Parton women empowerment movie. So hmm. kind of hard to go up against that. Pretty good. Um, <laughs> was that movie a big deal when it came out? Because I, I don't think I've ever heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was a really big deal when it came out. It was Dolly Parton. Huh. And um, it's a really... I've never seen it, but it's a very um, prominent movie um, in women's film, I believe. Okay. So, um, 81, there wasn't a lot happening. You got, like... Nothing I recognize in, other than 9-5 in the first half of the year. In May, you had Friday the 13th, Part 2. Um, June 14th, you had Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, Superman 2 came out right after that. Um, the Star Wars movies were reissued this year. So Star Wars uh, was in April. Empire was in August. And I believe Jedi was later that year, too. Okay. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, like, it was number one its first week out. Reclaimed number one in the sixth week. Reclaimed number one in its ninth through thirteenth week. And then reclaimed it again in its 26th week. <laughs> it was in theaters forever. That whole year almost. Damn. And I'm talking like over millions of dollars each for the 80s. Like, yeah. It's crazy. And I mean, that's... I Well, let's put it this way. This was the first time I've ever heard of a movie reclaiming the number one spot financially for like repeatedly several weeks after it came out yeah it's nuts literally half a year after it released it got number one again <laughs> it's crazy well we have now reached the part of our podcast where we give our final thoughts and you find out whether we give this movie two thumbs up two thumbs down or anything in between uh you want to go first or you want me to go first um you go first. All right. I got it. It's quick today. Um, because I think Roger Ebert said it pretty much accurately. Um, I think this is truly what a science fiction suspense horror movie should be from this era. Um, however, I do agree with Ebert is in saying that you never really know 
who the good guys are or the bad guys. You don't really know what's going on. Um, you know what people are, and you know what's happening. But like you said, it doesn't really feel like there's anything really um, at stake. Um, I do think that this has to do with the fact that their script was never really completed, and they didn't. He didn't have a clear vision, even though he was directing it. I'm sure he had a vision in his mind, but it's one thing to have it in your mind and another to execute it with people. Um, it seems very choppy and um, really the makeup and the special effects and that part of it are what makes this movie a great addition uh, to any science fiction fans collection. So um, I'm gonna have, I think it brought it to the forefront science fiction because then you're going to start getting like the total recalls you're going to start getting all the Schwarzenegger movies coming up you're going to get like Alien well Alien was in the 70s but you're going to get all those sequels um Predator like I think it really helped usher in a new era of movies in the 80s and uh, I'm going to give it one thumb up for that okay yeah Ebert said it well and as did you uh the pacing isn't really great some some scenes or like ideas kind of feel like they're coming out of left field at times um the practical effects are the makeup and the practical effects kind of balance out some of those difficulties um i found that i cut movies a lot of slack if i really find their um overall concept interesting and I think having such an interesting idea um, as this movie does actually works in its favor to that end. So um, I, I will say whenever I see on IMBD that a movie is written and directed by the same person, I, I get a little uh, uneasy just because I feel like if they have too much control over a movie or too little like it's it's kind of like a spinning plate you know any wrong move can make it just fall and break but i think that this movie definitely did enough right to warrant the good reputation that it has um i'd say that i overall really enjoyed the movie and would also give it one thumb up very nice awesome I think this this was a great start to our spooky season. Absolutely. It was really awesome. Um, we didn't get any viewer mail, but my buddy Doug messaged me, and he was very upset with the Labyrinth episode. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> mostly at me. And all I have to say is that it was too much Bowie bulge. <laughs> <sighs> too much or not enough too much <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um but yeah i said i'm sorry to him and uh that's just how it is <laughs> so <laughs> um so now we're gonna spin the wheel for our next spooky one our options are casper cockneys vs zombies blair witch 2 event horizon slither terror vision and dead and buried 
Um, is there any one of those that you are looking forward to or that you want to pull up for this week? I, you know, the title Cognies versus Zombies has is always in the back of my mind. I want to figure out what that movie's about. Well, you're going to have to wait at least another week um, because we have Blair Witch 2. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to say right away, I'm not excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am terrified. I know that people say that it's more funny than uh, scary, but I'm going to have to watch it during the daytime and with all the lights on probably still. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm not exactly. I'm not excited in the sense that like, oh, man, this is a good movie. I am I am a little excited in the sense that I know it's a bad movie, and I think Paul Rudd's also in it, like a very young baby-faced Paul Rudd. So that I, I'm excited enough to check it out. Baby-faced Paul Rudd could be a movie from last year, though. <laughs> yeah, he is a vampire, so yeah, I, I expect that whatever movie he's in in the 2060s. Yeah. Um, so that one was recommended to us to, by Matt B. Um, Matt B, you should write us in and tell us what you think um, and why you made us watch this movie. <laughs> so um, with that being said, Regan, you can take us out and probably do the ending much better than I did last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Next week, we're going to discuss The Blair Witch 2 pick for us by matt b remember you can help select the next movie that goes on our list by emailing the podcast at you pick we watch at gmail.com you can also shoot us a message through facebook insta uh, wow, not, uh, twitter twitter yeah, yeah. Twitter. <laughs> facebook too yeah better than last week who's <laughs> to say only halfway <laughs> through the outro um yeah so facebook twitter discord you pick we watch that's us message us we'll put your movie on the list bam i'm regan you can find me at facebook and instagram at author regan brooks oh forgot to mention friend of the podcast aaron s is also uh creating a facebook page where he is reviewing 60 halloween movies from now until halloween and it's gonna be great i can uh, send a link for that yeah definitely put that on like put his link to his facebook on our facebook and in the discord and then i'll put it on twitter because uh that's gonna be it's like your november noir uh thing so i think that would be really awesome to get other people movies maybe we wouldn't see obviously we don't have time to review that many movies so i'm excited to uh see where he goes with that (laughs) yeah 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 (laughs) yeah 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 um I'm Jess. You can find me on Twitter at RadmanMal and in the Discord. Um, And we have a lot of fun. And we talk about new stuff and old stuff. And sometimes there are pictures of things. (laughs) You'll have to join to find out. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say that I downloaded the app to my phone. So now I can actually like remember to participate and like jump in there. There we go. There we go. Um, So... I'm glad that everybody's joining us for our spooky season. It's going to be a great few weeks. And uh, we will, if you want to do, sorry, before I forget, if you want to start sending in your Christmas movies, 
you can do that. We're going to do the, the four weeks of Christmas. So, yes. And if you're feeling ambitious, throw a Thanksgiving movie at us. I, I can only think of like two ever only. So if there's more of those, let us know. Yeah. Not planes, trains, and automobiles, please. I, <laughs> I think like that one. <laughs> I think Spider-Man, like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man is technically a Thanksgiving movie because that's like, I don't know, something that happens in there. So, yeah, if there's yep. any tangentially related <laughs> movies, yeah, fire them at us. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much for joining. And uh, don't get scanned. <laughs>